Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How'd You Get Into That. My name is Grant. Great to have you here today. Hope you're doing well. Man, it's just uh, it's good good to have you here. Really means a lot. I dig you. I really appreciate you. And we got a great episode for you today. So let's get right into it. Today we are joined by my friend Michael Port. Uh, Michael's a guy who's a New York Times bestselling author. He's a uh, a big time speaker. Uh, he's got his hand in a bunch of different stuff. And so he actually has a kind of a unique journey. How he went from uh, actually being involved in acting and how he got into speaking and business. What he's doing today. So let's get into it. Here's the story with Michael Port. Enjoy. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How'd You Get Into That? Today, we are joined by Michael Port, who is a uh, best-selling author and uh, worldwide keynote speaker and just all-around good dude. So, Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks. Good to be here. Hey, so for someone that may, be, may not be familiar with who you are and what it is that you do, I know that you, you've got some books out and you've got a couple different courses and you do a lot of speaking, but give us just kind of an overview snapshot of, of your business and, and uh, what you're all about. Sure. So I've written five books. One is called Book Yourself Solid which is, in fact, my most popular book. Then I wrote a book called Beyond Book Solid. So Book Yourself Solid is about how to get as many clients as your heart desires. Right. And, and then Beyond Book Solid is about what to do when you have too many clients. Because there are two different problems. You know, One problem is, a shoot, I don't have enough clients. The other problem is, shoot, I've got too many, and I'm running around you know, like a chicken with my head cut off because I, I can't manage the business. So... Those are two different problems that I needed to solve for the people that I serve. Then I wrote a book called The Contrarian Effect, uh, Why It Pays Big to Take Typical Sales Advice and Do the Opposite. And I wrote a book called The Think Big Manifesto. And I'm working on a book now called Steal the Show. Nice. And I, what I'm doing is I'm going back to my roots for this book. I started as an actor. That was my first career. Right. Right. When I was in college, I did a little acting, and then I applied to graduate school as for acting. And I got I went to NYU, and I got a master's in acting from NYU. And then I went and worked professionally for a number of years, and I eventually left the business. But when I look at the success that I've had along the way, a lot of it is a result of two things. One, my ability to be a performer and I don't just mean someone who gets things done, but somebody who can play lots of roles in different right. situations that feel comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. And two, the acting training that I had, because if you think about job interviews, negotiations, pitches, of course, any kind of public speaking, right? it's all a performance. And one of the things that people get nervous about when I, when I talk about performance and use the word performance is they, they think that means that they need to be inauthentic in some way. Right. That, for example, when I was a younger man and I was an actor and I was single and I'd go out with a woman, one of the first things I would hear is, so you're an actor. How do I know you're telling the truth? Right. I'd say, how do you know anyone's telling the truth? Sure. But the truth of the matter is, is the actor who is wonderful is the most honest performer. That's why you like them. That's why, you know, you like people who are very honest, transparent, open, are willing to be vulnerable. And that's what the great performer does. So in my work, 
and in the work I do with others, I'm always looking for that openness, for that honesty, for the truth. Because if you find your voice, right, feel comfortable and powerful in your voice, and I don't just mean the sound of your voice, but what you have to say, why you're here, what you're reaching for, if you feel comfortable there, then you are generally more comfortable going after the things you want. You're more comfortable dealing with the rejection that comes along with the pursuit of anything great. Let's jump in there for a second. It seems like a lot of people have such a difficult time finding their voice or feeling comfortable in their own skin and and recognizing and acknowledging like that, you know, this is who I am and this is what I offer the world. And is there anything we can do to to speed that process up? Or is it just like, you know, things that, that are in the crock pot taste better than things that are in the microwave? So you just need to let it take its time? Or how do we best find our own voice and you know, in a sea of many different voices? I quite like your analogy. That was very nice. I like the crock pot analogy. There you go. You can use that. Yeah. So I think I've never been accused of having any patience whatsoever. (laughs) So I like things to happen quickly. Right. At the same time, what I have found is that with maturity, I have become more comfortable with who I am and what I stand for and, and more willing to express myself and not be so worried or concerned about what other people think. Because anytime you want to do something in the world in a big way, you're going to get criticism. Right. I am not a critic. I don't think you can be a performer and a critic. I think that if you spend a lot of time criticizing others, then you're probably going to play a small game yourself because you know that criticism is coming right back at you when you attempt to step out of you know the small space that you're in. Right. But if you don't criticize, if you if you don't resonate with something, that's cool. Just don't resonate with it as opposed to, I don't like it, I hate it, it sucks. That's, that's a totally different way of looking at, at the world. Yeah. So I think instead, focus on being a performer. Focus only on what you can prove because anyone can break something down. That's easy. But can you build something better in its place? And that's the question that I ask myself. And, and when I, and I mentioned it because when I look back at my early days, as an actor, I found myself being critical. I found myself being a little bit judgmental and a little bit entitled. You know, like, why do I have to go in front of these people, these casting directors, and wait for them to say whether I could have work or not? They right. don't, what the hell do they know? You know, I've got all this talent, all this training. What do they have? I wasn't obnoxious about it, but I, I felt like that when I would get no's, you know, like that's how I would respond to no's. Yeah. And what it did was it really turned me off to the business. But it, at the time I said the business turned me off. What I know now is that I turned the business off. Let's go back to that time. Whenever you are even just growing up, did you always want to become an actor or what was it about that, that, that appealed to you or intrigued you? Oh, no, no. I had no idea. I was studying psychology in college, and then I took a, an intro to acting class because you have to have that fine arts class. Yeah. And I loved it. And they said, you should go on. And I said, yeah, but what can you do with this? And they said, you could actually do something pretty good, kid. I said, okay. But that was already the end of my junior year. So I figured when I was in my senior year, let me apply to grad school because I want to get some more training before I just jump out there. I, I like to know what I'm doing right uh, before I go. So... So that's when I went to graduate school, but 
You know, I worked for those about four or five years after grad school, and I did shows like Sex in the City, Third Watch, All My Children, Law and Order, 100 Center Street. Yeah. Movies like The Pelican Brief, Down to Earth, Last Call. And I did lots and lots of commercials and, and, and voiceovers. Voiceovers was my bread and butter. Yeah. I paid the bills. But, but I left and I, I decided to go into the fitness industry on the business side of it because I, you know, I liked that space. And I had to talk my way into a job for which I was completely unqualified. <laughs> I told them I was unqualified, but I proved to them why ultimately it was, I proved to them because they chose me why they should hire me over somebody else. And I know that my ability to, to understand how to develop a character uh, for a role that I need to play helped me land that job. So whenever you are, let's go back and even when you're in college there, you're going down the psychology road and then you, you take an acting class. Someone tells you like, Hey, you're, you're not too shabby after all. Does that immediately resonate with you? Like, Oh man, that, you know, maybe that does sound appealing or intriguing. Like what was it that triggered it enough to make you want to go into grad school or just to pursue it further? Cause I think there's, there's oftentimes where people may see something in us that we don't recognize in ourselves. And so we have to kind of run that through our own frame of reference of, does that resonate with me? Does that sound like a path that I want to pursue? Or is that, you know, I appreciate the observation, but it's nothing that really intrigues me. So did it immediately feel like, yeah, I think there's enough there that maybe I do have this natural gift or talent or ability that I want to go down this path? Or, or what, what were you kind of thinking there? Absolutely. I really felt it immediately. It just fit my personality and it fit my natural talents. So I really, really felt like it was the right thing to do. Plus, I wasn't really enjoying studying psychology. And I got positive feedback, which really helped. Now, we're not always going to get positive feedback for the things we dream about. We may get positive feedback. Someone may suggest that we have talent, but we may not get positive feedback from our family. You know, they may be nervous that, you know, they're not like, they won't, might not like our choice. But I, I, the first play I did was uh, The Grapes of Wrath, and I played Tom Jode. And it was in a thousand-seat theater, and it was quite a big deal in college because it was a professional show. Yeah. And my father and mother came, and my, my father's an academic. He's a doctor. He's a psychiatrist, but he's very academic. And he afterwards said to me, you know, Michael, I think you should do this. Hmm. I said, really? He said, yeah. I think given your personality and the way that you think, you'll learn more about people doing this than you will studying psychology. Like, How do you kind of run that through your own frame of reference, though, of – I'm thinking of someone that may be listening to this and maybe they've had some people that have pointed out like, Hey, you're, you know, you're good at this. I see this ability, talent, skill set within you. Mm -hmm. How do you determine whether you're doing something just to make someone else happy or to, uh, mm -hmm. whether it be a parent or a, a spouse or a friend or whoever versus like, no, no, this is something that I'm really genuinely into. Yeah. How do you kind of, uh, how do you differentiate the two? Well, I knew because I wanted to study. That was the difference Yeah, is when I was in school, I was just going through the motions in college. I'd just go to class and do the minimal amount of work to, you know, get an okay grade. And, right. and I wasn't that engaged in it. But when I found this, I was completely engaged. I started reading a lot. I started reading play after play after play. And when I find myself engaged in that way, I know it's something I want to do. So my litmus test is usually how interested am I in the details? Gotcha. Because I'm not a detail-oriented person necessarily. But if I'm interested in the details, then that means I really care about this particular thing. Yeah. So right now I'm studying, uh, you know, self-studying videography and editing because I just, and photography, because I just 
found a passion for it. Right. I have no desire to do it professionally, of course. I have an entirely different career. But I'm really enjoying the study of it. And I'm finding that I'm spending an hour or two every day looking at, you know, watching uh, education videos, YouTube videos, things like that, and practicing. And and then I know it's something I want to do because I, I want to learn about it. That's really the ticket for me. That's how I, I tell it. And if I'm not that interesting in learning, like I like the idea of it, but I don't want to do the work for it. Right. And I know it's it's just something that seems nice or maybe... Other people think it would be good for me uh, or, or, you know, it's a society, you know, to think it would be impressive from a, from a status perspective or something like that. Then I know it's not something I should be doing. Yeah. I like the way you frame that of, do I enjoy the details of it? Cause I think there's, you know, as much as you like anything from the outside looking in at some point, as much as you enjoy it, it's going to become work. And so even, you know, you and I were talking a little bit offline of, of the, we enjoy speaking, but all, you know, at the same time, there's parts of speaking that, that aren't so glamorous and aren't so sexy. And you've got a lot of travel and a lot of sitting around and a lot of waiting yeah. and a lot of parts of it. That, and even like you're saying with the acting part, you know, we would think from the outside looking in that acting is this glamorous, sexy position and career. Career, but mm-hmm. I assume there's a lot of sitting and waiting and practicing and rehearsing and the non-glamorous part that nobody sees. Well, that's, and you're exactly right. That's true for most professions mm-hmm. that require pursuit of mastery. Right. Pursuit of mastery is, is messy. It's tiring. It, it's frustrating. You question yourself over and over and over. It's sometimes traumatic, but if you care deeply about it, then you, then you recognize that those experiences are are really the the work that needs to be done to achieve mastery, to experience that work in a way that is truly, truly meaningful. Yeah. And so I look at enemy, people look at athletes as if, you know, they've got the luckiest jobs in the world. Oh, I wish I was a professional baseball player. It's so easy. Look, they just hang out in the field. Like, are you kidding? So it's one of those things where I I was amazed by these big out of shape guys sitting, drink, eating hot dogs and drinking beer at the, at the game, yelling at the most highly trained focused athletes in the world, telling them they're a bum. Right. 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 I don't get it. Really? That guy's a bum. That guy over there that trains, you know, eight hours a day, mentally, physically doing work in front of, you know, millions of people, that guy's a bum. We often don't want to recognize the dirty work, the nitty gritty behind the, the exciting part, because then that means we're going to have to do that too. Yeah. So if it was easy, everybody would do it. I didn't have the maturity to stay in as an actor at that time, because you really have to commit to waiting and rejection and in, in, a, in a not knowing, an unknowing, the future is completely, completely uncertain. Now, the future is uncertain in general. I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. I have a plan. You know, leave the, you know, eight o'clock. We're driving to Baltimore. You know, I have a plan, but but you never know what's going to happen. If you get a flat tire, and the whole day changes. Sure. But as an actor, professionally, you really don't know. You just really don't know. So I didn't have the maturity, and you either have to have the maturity at that time. Or you just don't really care that much about, you know, worldly possessions at that moment, at that time. Like you're cool being, you know, just doing some bartending and trying to get some jobs and doesn't really mean that much, you know. Right. 
or you're just so passionate about it that you're just willing to do anything it takes and wait that long. So, the, and it's the same thing with this. But, you know, I, I've written all these books. I'm on my sixth book now. And each time I write a book, I say, I'm never doing that again. Right, right. Like, I'm just not doing that again. And then, of course, two years later, I say, I think I want to do another book. <laughs> and it, it reminds me of what it must, not reminds me, but it makes me think of what it must be like for women who have really difficult labor and, you know, when they're giving birth. Right. Afterwards, it's so hard. It's so painful. And I say, I'm not doing that again. Right. That's the same. A year later, like, honey. Let's talk. I don't want to have another kid, you know, right. because you forget the pain because the rewards are so great. It kind of kind of so, reminds me of a, like doing a marathon. I uh, like you're exhausted the whole time, but when you cross that finish line, yeah, you're going to be hurting for a few days, but part of you is like, dang, I want to sign up and do another one again. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that one, you know, it's cool. You do it. You want to do it quickly. You know, I think for me, for some of these things, right when I finish, I don't want to do it again because it's just so exhausting. But right. Then over after a couple of years, I see the re the rewards. I mean, I see the rewards of having hundreds of thousands or millions of people reading your books, and the and so the the personal you know gratification, satisfaction of serving others, the financial rewards that come from it, all of that is wonderful, and it reminds me that I'm willing to do that difficult work again because I like the rewards that it offers. You know, it reminds me of when Bill Macy, who played the lead in Fargo, he won the Academy Award or was nominated for the Academy Award. I think he was nominated, not one. But people kept saying, oh, he's an old, because he was 45 years old or something. And he, they said, he's an, oh, an overnight sensation. Oh, my God. He was one of the hardest working actors in the business who doing play after play after play and small part and small part in movies here. So, I mean, the guy was about as as professional and good and well-respected as you could imagine in the business, he just wasn't known, you know, on the movie star scale. Right, right. But you look at it like, oh, it just happened overnight because we live in a culture where, you know, the, the American Idol process is, is how it seems like we get famous and successful. You wait in line for 12 hours right, and you get an audition and then you get flown out to Hollywood and, you know, it just, it works only that way for a tiny handful of people, but it's not necessarily the reality. And I, I don't know, maybe I'm a bad, you know, inspirational <laughs> leader because I talk about the realities of this stuff, but I wouldn't take the easy road. Someone said you could do this all over, but you can have the easy road doing it. I'd say no. Right, right. Because now I feel comfortable in my skin. Now I know how I handle problems. Now I know, you know, how to work with others in ways that I didn't before. It's oftentimes a client in one of my programs. So I have a, a school of coach training called the Book Yourself Solid School of Coach Training. We certify coaches, train them up and book yourself solid and they go out and build a business around it. And I have a mentoring program for business owners who want to get both solid. And then we have a program called Heroic Public Speaking where we teach people how to be remarkable performers, not just speakers. And Often, somebody will get held up. You know, they'll they'll get behind or they won't fulfill their commitments. And they say, life got in the way. Right. And I always say that that's not possible because life is the way. Right. There is no other way. So all of these things that happen 
are going to happen and they're going to continue to happen. But there isn't a separation between our professional goals uh, and our personal life. It's all one life. Right. So, yes, something will happen. You'll have a, a tragedy or an accident or something, and then you need to put 95% of your attention on that in order to deal with that. Well, that's part of the process, but it's not life getting in the way. It is life. Yeah. yeah. And I like the way you frame that too, that the, I guess the path to success or however people would define success is never easy. You know, and I think that's a big thing that we talk about on the show is, is a lot of times we look at the A to Z spectrum and Z is sexy. Z is top of the mountain. Z is the overnight success, but you don't see the ABC and the hard work and sweat and equity that was put into it to get to Z. You got to go through the A, B, and C long before you're ever going to, to get further down the road. So let me ask you this. How long were you in acting before you decided, you know what, it's okay. Parts of it I like, parts of it maybe I don't like. But right. so, I'm looking for something a little different. Yeah. So, you know, I did a year in college, then three years in grad school, and then about four and a half years professionally. And, and then I spent five years in the fitness, health and fitness industry on the business side of things. And then I went out and started my own company and started consulting for the industry and uh, writing books. And then once those became successful, you know, expanded into other markets. The, the thing that comes up for me a lot is this idea of, of seconds and thirds and fourths and fifths. Sometimes, you know, we all bloom at different times. And just because, you know, you try something and you, you know, you don't have the, the typical success or the, the societal success, you know, how society measures success or you didn't, you know, you didn't feel successful and you left it just because, that happened early doesn't mean that the second or third thing that you try is is not going to be in your sweet spot. Meaning it's not just, you know, keep trying until something works. It's that sometimes you come into your own later on, like you find your own power, your own comfort with yourself later on. And I think for me, it's it's sort of been a second, like my second wind is where I started to to find my footing. So even though I had all this talent, even though I went to this great grad school and I had a great agent and, you know, I was doing some stuff, I wasn't really, like I hadn't found my sweet spot yet in terms of how I showed up in the world. And then as I got older, I started showing up in the world in a different way. And that's why the work that I have been doing has been well-received. So it's almost like this. It's almost when you are willing to study and you're willing to work hard, you can do many, many different things. Right. And we often think that the work is what it's about. Meaning if I do that kind of work, then I'll be happy. Yeah. If I do that kind of work, then I'll be happy. I think based on the fact that I've done a number of different things over the course of my years, I'm 44 now, I've had essentially three different careers. And, you know, I've made some headway in each one. And one of them, the most recent one, is where I've made the most professional, you know, financial, you know, that kind of thing, headway. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that if I was acting now, I'd have a lot more, I'd have the same kind of success I'm having now doing this if I was acting or if I was in virtually any other field that I had some natural ability for. Because the way that I'm doing the work is different. The way that I see myself is different. And that's why I say that sometimes it's the second or third, you know, round where you find your footing 
And whatever you're doing at that time is the thing that benefits from it. Now, a lot of times, like we, again, if we're looking at the second or third acts, so to speak, that we're looking to, to that may, we may be able to find our footing and our traction. How do we know when we should leave act one to go to act two or leave act two to go to act three? So whenever you're going from acting into the fitness world or from fitness world into, you know, what your business is today, how do you know when the right time is to, to make some of those transitions? I don't think you do. Yeah. I, mean, I don't, I can't look back and say, oh, that was the right time. From my agent's perspective, it was ridiculous. I went and I told her I was going to leave the business, and I, I could have sworn I heard her jaw hit the table. She's like, you're right at the cusp. What are you doing? Right. But the day before, I had to call my parents to help me get my car out of the pound because I put it in front of a hydrant, and it got towed, and I couldn't afford the $250 to get it out. Yeah. So, you know, I was just mortified, devastated. I felt small. And that was the straw for me uh, that broke the camel's back. And I, I had got to the point where I wasn't interested in studying anymore. And that's when I said, it's time to go and go in a different direction because I wasn't interested in doing the studying that, that I discussed earlier. Yeah. And then when I spent about five years in the health and fitness industry, uh, when I decided to leave, you know, I was enjoying myself. I was, I was doing good work. I liked it. I just saw another opportunity to do something that uh, was bigger. Right. And uh, and it gave me more you know, freedom and control and and uh, say over my destiny. And that's why I left uh, that. It was the right time you know, to progress. And I think for most people would say, no, Michael, that was the wrong time for you to leave acting. You should have sucked it up, you know, and uh, and just kept doing the work in the streets. But again, I didn't have the maturity. So I think if you if you're leaving something, I think the first thing to ask yourself is, Am I leaving because I'm immature about this and I'm not willing to deal with the difficulties that come with it? Or am I mature enough to know that I really do see a better opportunity for me in another space and I'm willing to work even harder in that space to get it than I am, you know, for the one that I'm in now? Right. The answer is no, then, you know, you should probably stay and, and figure out what's going on and, and deal with the, the personal stuff. Because a lot of our business problems are just personal problems in disguise. Sure you know, we get in our own way more than anything else. You know, yeah. The market doesn't get in my way. Like my competitors are not getting in my way. It just doesn't work like that. Yeah. So, so whenever you are making that transition then into what your business is today and, you know, author, speaker, consultant, get your hand in a variety of different things. I think there's a lot of people that would love to have that type of role and have that type of business and career as kind of a, a personal brand with their, their hands in a variety of different things. So what were some things that you did early on just to kind of start to gain some traction in that space and to start to, to build uh, your own personal brand? I got really, really specific on two things or three things. Number one, the specific group of people that I was going to try to serve. And I chose the fitness industry because I had had some experience in that industry. And I had some relationships and that would allow me access to the industry that I might not have, would have had to another industry. So I chose that. Right. I expanded upon that over the years as I got better known and more people were showing up from all different verticals in the service uh, industry, you know, attorneys and financial planners and photographers and chiropractors and uh, people, you know, who sell different types of services. But I focused on that. So that was number one. Number two, I got really, really clear on the big result that I helped them produce, like like just crystal clear, something I could hang my hat on. And for me at the time, it was helping them get clients. It was just super clear. There was no hyperbole. It just was, this is what we do. 
You know, I help someone just like you get more clients. Simple as that. Yeah. And then number three, I, I got really, really clear on how I wanted to be known from a personal perspective. I got clear on my personal brand identity. And when you think about it, there are two reasons. Well, first, when somebody comes to consider you, they consider who do you serve and what do you help them do? Who do you serve? Do you serve someone just like them? Help them get what they want? If the answer is no, they go away. If the answer is yes, well, then they give you an opportunity. But that's not enough for them to buy because there's lots of people who help them get what they want. So the next thing they want to know is why you do it. They want to know if they connect with you philosophically. They want to, they want to know if, if, if they see the world in the same way you see the world. And if you do, then they say yes. That's the key. So I decided that I wanted to be known as the guy to call when you're tired of thinking small. Mm. So I realized that the reason I do this is because I want to help people think bigger about who they are and about what they offer the world. And I knew I want to do that for myself, too. I mean, that was part of it. When you, when you choose like a big, bold personal brand identity, you are required to stay accountable to it. Yeah. You know, I can't show up and be small. I can't show up and be petty. Sure, sure. <laughs> it just, it just, you, it's not possible. I'm right. not allowed. That's the, what the brand does. So it, it, it helps push me as well. And I think if you choose a personal brand that helps drive you too uh, into the highest form of yourself, you know, it's a really, really, a really smart thing to do. So then I started infusing all the different offers that I made and all of our marketing, et cetera, with this whole concept of thinking big. Because that I knew philosophically was what the people that I wanted to serve wanted as well. And, and if I can help them think bigger, it's also going to help them get clients. So, so those three things made a huge, huge difference. Let, let's recap those three things. So figuring out who you want to serve, what results you want them to gain, and what it is that you want to be known for. So what could someone do to help them discover their answer to those, those three questions? Well, when you look at the target market, that first, you know, who do you want to serve? Often you look at the people that are already around you and, you know, have you spent time in any particular business? Is there a particular uh, field that you know a lot about? You know, maybe you, you, you grew up and your dad was in the construction industry, so you're not in it now, but you know a lot about it. Yeah. You feel comfortable there. So that might be a good target market to choose. Or maybe it's as simple as you love design, like you're just a super, super a creative person, you're not a designer and you're not an artist, but maybe you just love people who are, have those kinds of personalities or you like that kind of work. So go, I'm going to choose people who are in the design uh, field. Okay. Well now you have a, and the reason this target market is so important is because a, you know where to do your marketing. Yeah. Yeah. B, you know, they know when you show up there that they're, that you're dedicated to them and C, they've got established networks already. They can spread your messages for you. So then when you look at the result, you know, the result is, is people often use niche and target market as the same. They conflate the two, but I think it's helpful to look at them as two separate things. The target market is the demographic, the people that you serve. And then the niche is your area of specialty. That's the area of the field that you uh, have expertise in. So the result comes from your expertise in that area. Mm. And you need to look at the target market that you're going to serve and one of their most palpable needs are, the thing that, they, that they, they, they really, 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 really need help with. And if it's something that you can provide and you love to provide it and you can see building a whole business around it, well, then there's your result. And then, of course, the personal brand is, you know, it's being willing to express yourself. It's being willing to stand up and say, this is what I stand for. Because people and organizations that stand for something stand out. Yeah, they really do. I mean, standing for something helps you build trust. 
Standing for something makes decision-making easier. Standing for something lifts you up when you break down. And standing for something just makes it a heck of a lot more fun to do your thing because you're on a mission to do something that matters to you. Yeah. You just got to be careful of falling into the trap of standing for one thing while at the same time trying to please everyone or do everything. Yeah. You know, because that's an ugly place to get into. Right, for sure. Well, Michael, great stuff, man. Really appreciate you taking the time to, to share your story and journey. If, if people want to find out more about you and check out some of these books, I, like I mentioned, uh, I personally, I've, I've read a couple of your books. Uh, book Yourself Solid is a, a phenomenal book, especially if you're in the, the service industry. Something you're trying to uh, figure out how to take your talent, your skill set, and uh, build a business and a clientele around that. Definitely a book to check out. So uh, where can we go to find out about all this, this goodness? Sure. Michaelport.com has got everything that we do outlined there and it'll take you to the different places that are relevant for you. So if you want to get a whole bunch, five, I think there's five or six free chapters from my books, you can do it right there. If you want to look at uh, some video, you want to see me giving a speech on Book Yourself Solid or on the Think Big Revolution, there's video there for you. If you're interested in learning about the mentoring program, uh, you can do so there at michaelport.com. If you're interested in in consider, or interested in learning more about being a Book Yourself Solid certified coach, you can learn more about that there. And if you're interested in getting help with your public speaking, your performance, uh, you can learn a bit more about it there as well. Beautiful. Lots to uh, check out and engage in. So make sure we stop by uh, michaelport.com. We'll definitely link up to that in the, uh, in the show notes. So Michael, thanks for the time, man. Really appreciate it, buddy. Hey, I appreciate you. Thank you for, uh, for doing this work. And, and I never take it for granted. So thanks. Awesome. Boom. There you go. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Michael Port of uh, michaelport.com. Uh, really good stuff there. Great story. Great transition he made. Huge risk he took, you know, not only getting into acting, but then also getting out of acting and kind of starting his business and getting into speaking. So uh, great stuff there, Michael. Thanks for sharing your story, your journey with us. Hey, as always, you can stop by grantbaldwin.com. You can check out the uh, the show notes links, everything that we discussed. You can find it there again at grantbaldwin.com. Hey, if you haven't already, you got to subscribe to the show. You can do that within iTunes or or, uh, Stitcher, wherever you may be listening to this episode right now on your uh, your iPhone, your mobile device, whatever you may be using. Maybe you got a new gadget or gizmo for Christmas and now you're just catching up on a bunch of podcasts. Make sure you subscribe to this one. Maybe you're at the gym, driving down the road, wherever you may be. Make sure that you subscribe. We don't want you to miss out on uh, what we're up to here. Also, uh, be sure to leave us a rating and review. We'd love to hear from you. You can leave that rating and review within iTunes. You can go to grantbaldoncom slash iTunes and leave that. We got a great one the other day from uh, Marimar99999. Miramar 999. All right. With the subject line, freaking awesome in all caps. Says, this is the podcast I didn't know I was searching for. For years, I've been disengaged, unhappy with my work, but I've felt trapped because I didn't know what else I'd do. Since I've started binge listening to this podcast, I've had so many ideas and I've started implementing some side hustles just to try new things. Very inspiring and encouraging. Great stuff there. Thanks for sharing that. Miramar 999. Good stuff there. Hey, uh, again, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love just an honest feedback rating review. We'd want to know what you think. It helps other people find the show. And uh, that's a big goal for us this year is to, is to continue to spread the show, spread these interviews, these topics with other people to help them on their own journey and their quest to find and do work that they love. Hey, as always, feel free to email me, grant to grantbalden.com. You can also hit me up on Twitter at grantbalden. Anything genuinely that I can do, if you're just wrestling with something, you're pondering something, you're kicking something around, maybe you, one of your goals for, for this new year is to, to start a new business. Maybe it's to leave your job. Maybe it's to find a different job. What, whatever 
whatever that thing is for you, uh, I, I genuinely want to support you and help you uh, on that journey. So email me anytime, grant to grandbalden.com. Let me help you on your, your journey. So that wraps up this episode, boys and girls. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll talk to you again real soon. You're awesome. Peace. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.